Welcome to the show that dives into the climate crisis in Belize. I'm Andre. And I'm Digna. Today, we revisit the Gilnet ban from a different perspective of the last episode. Joining us, we have fishermen who are supporters of the band. And Digna and I share our thoughts on what the Gilnet ban has meant to us and what we've learned over these past three episodes. Before we begin our discussion, we will be sharing our moment of gratitude, one minute of rage. Each week, Andrea and I swap a moment of gratitude for a minute of rage on any topic that's been on our minds in the past week. Today is my turn to share my gratitude with you all. And I am grateful to be the friend that people feel safe to come to when they're going through anything. I, I guess I just have that gift for some reason that people, whether they want to go for a coffee, an alcoholic beverage out for a good time, or when they're just having a sad moment, depressive moment, and they feel like they need to talk to someone, they always feel that comfort and safe zone with me. And I'm really grateful to be able to be that person for other people because you know sometimes people are going through a rough time and they don't know who to talk to or feel that they might be judged and I always let my friends know that you know this is a judgment-free zone and anytime you have anything in your mind and you want to talk to someone like I'll, I'll be there for you no matter what so I'm grateful for that oh that's that's very sweet man it, there needs to be a lot more people like you because sometimes a person like you becomes the only person like that in a person's life and it's like Come on, man. Everybody can share the load of, uh, of being somebody who listens well and without judgment. So it's good. It's, it's great that you're like that. Um, everybody else, step it up. True. <laughs> Today is June 18th, and my minute of rage is dedicated to this past week, having been one of the hottest weeks in the history of the United States. And... I just wanted to take a moment to express anger at the oil and gas industry for being the people who have facilitated, um, you know, carbon emissions to the levels where we are seeing unprecedented heat waves on this planet already. You know, we're not even at, you know, the moments where people thought this would go down 2040, 2050. This is occurring now and people are suffering now. And there's going to be a lot of pain experienced as a result of this i read recently that there's like an idea circulating online of naming heat waves after different fossil fuel companies and i think that's a great idea because you know they need to be remembered not for the money they made but for all the destruction they've caused and so you know just unofficially i'm gonna declare this past week's heat wave uh heat wave heat wave bp why BP? Because they were also the people who were the perpetrators behind the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, which caused tons of suffering for people in the Gulf Coast. So in honor of that memory, I'm going to connect what's occurring now to BP. So this past week has been a BP heat wave, and you heard it here first, folks. That's actually very clever. I, I like that idea. <laughs> we should definitely, that should definitely be a thing. Yeah, I think I think it will be. I think by next year, that's going to be something. So Digna, this past weekend, you sort of dropped off the face of the planet and I wasn't sure why. And then you told me that it was because you were you took the vaccine and were experiencing some symptoms as a result. Can you tell us how, how the whole thing went for you? So, yes, I got my first dose of AstraZeneca. Honestly, it was an impulsive decision. I wasn't planning to take it on the Friday that I did. I wanted to wait after the weekend, 
But my mom cooked lunch for the nurses that day and asked me to drop it off at the location. So being there and seeing there wasn't a long line, I was like, you know what? Let me get this over with one time. So everything was fine during the day. Like I was like, oh, why people to complain? Like this and nothing. <laughs> so it wasn't until mid- midnight that I started feeling the side effects. I woke up chills i had fever for like a whole two days maybe even three and it was like on and off fever i feel like that's like the most annoying one because you get like highs and you're like oh I'm, i'm starting to feel better and then boom a while later you're like oh shit like i need to go rest like i'm not feeling myself like i feel really bad so that's how i spent the whole weekend and i personally i feel like it was worse than when i got covid i got covid last year And COVID only gave me like a mild flu for half a day. Like I didn't even, I wouldn't have known I had COVID if it wasn't for my cousin testing positive and telling me you need to go. So I, I it was definitely a, a little bit worse than COVID last year. Um, and I, I, I was feeling horrible, but that's mostly because I'm just not used to getting sick. I hate getting sick. So I try avoiding it. So having the fever really made me feel like, oh, I feel like I'm dying. Like, I'm not used to this. Like, for a moment there, I was regretting taking the vaccine. Honestly, I was like, why the hell did I work? Why the hell did I go? But then now a week later, like, I'm feeling fine. I'm great. And I am honestly looking forward to getting my second dose and, you know, being fully vaccinated. If you have been keeping up with the show, you would know that we've previously discussed the Gilnet ban in two past episodes. In the first Gilnet episode, episode three of the podcast, we had Andrew Rode, chairman of the Coalition for Sustainable Fisheries, discuss the importance of the ban and the process the NGOs went through to make it a success. We then interviewed Gilnet fishers from the Belize Fishermen's Cooperative Association on episode five, who were completely against the ban and had taken legal action in a t- attempt to reverse this statutory instrument enforcing the ban since November 2020. So if you haven't listened to these episodes and would like to learn more about them, you can find them on our platform under the titles The Belize Gilnet Ban and The Gilnet Ban Revisited. We explored and reported all sides involved so that you folks can use your own judgment on the matter. But first, we wanted to share some of our understanding of the situation as it's played out. I think for me, personally, I have struggled with the Gilnet ban due to its origin, talking to to Belize Fishermen's Cooperative Association for that second installment about their concerns. I bought into a lot of what they said because of who they were. You know, they were fisher folks who were on the front lines. At least I believe they were. And And I was feeling that perhaps Belize has become too reliant on foreign-funded NGOs to be the people initiating conversation and environmental work in our country. I believe that actually if they were invested in supporting frontline communities, that they would be trying to get greater buy-in from the public through changes in practice that engage communities and have those communities leading the charge on initiatives such as any sort of change of activity for marine aquatic management. 
moment. There's also the question of cultural heritage. In the interview you're about to hear, one of the points discussed is how gillnets as a technology has changed. The change of their materials from natural to synthetic fibers dramatically increased their efficiency to a point that no longer made them a sustainable method to fish. Lastly, this whole subject has alerted me to my ignorance on various things, such as the way sea currents work, the way paleologic fish species migrate, paleologic being a word I didn't even know until we started this series, the way that fishing licenses work, and the impact of changes in fishing technologies on sustainability practices. It makes me realize that there is a huge amount of education needed to approach any of these subjects. And I hope you, our audience, everybody out there who listens to Modifya and supports what we're doing, can be patient with us as we learn more at each step. We made mistakes with this series. We didn't corroborate all the, all the information in the ways we could have because of deadlines and barriers to information with various organizations, many of them governmental, but that's not an excuse. We will do better and we appreciate you all for learning alongside with us. I agree with Andre. I share the same feelings regarding Belizeans being too reliant on foreign-funded NGOs. But I believe that's also part of the culture. We are actually too dependent on many things across many levels. We need to start taking charge of issues that are concerned to the country because at the end of the day, it affects us. When it comes to cultural heritage, I'm all for preserving it because usually it's sustainable practices. However, this cultural heritage, as we learned, evolved to make more money and was no longer sustainable. It would eventually end up being similar to eating turtles being part of the culture back in the day, but then being exported for profit to the point that the turtles are now endangered. So the way I see it, and this is my opinion, and I might get hate for it, but like I said, my opinion is that the term cultural heritage at this point is being used as an excuse to continue the now unsustainable practice. But yes, this is a whole learning experience for Andrea and I. We don't know everything. So as each episode goes by, we learn what and what not to do. So we appreciate having you guys along for the ride. Yeah, my name is Nestor Leonardo. I have been a Gilnet user for the last 50-something years. Mm-hmm. I would like to just give a little history of Gilnets, you know, where it started. My uncle uh, told me like a story. In the past, anybody used to fish in no Gilnets. Um, he said he used to, they used to fish in a lone hand line. And one day they used to full of snook, you know, and you sometimes when you're fishing, your line go over board and that line get tangled up and he was pulling up a snook and when when he feel when he pulled in the snook from that was on the hook he feels other line you know like like when a fish the, the, the bite and he pulled it up what he noticed that where the line get tangled up the other snook get caught in the so and he said look at this you know, so um, he took it to uh, old Garifuna guy and they sit down and then they said, well, if this nook get cut this way, we could, we could make something like this. And that was like maybe in the 40s, you know, 1940s or something like that. So I don't know. And I'm asking the year. So um, they built, they started to make first kilometers. You know, but in a, at that time, in those times, then, we never know about the plastic gillnets. Used to be loan and um, 
Uh, like cotton or yes, it was made out of like a silk silk thread. looking yellow a silk thread as opposed to something synthetic. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or in in the in the years when I used to get plastic yellow. Mm-hmm. So. What's the difference between the two? Oh well, I, I well between the two is that um, the gillnet that used to make cotton, the the, the old time gillnet used to you know had a special knife to make it. And the difference is that further down. The years that come by, you know, um, in and in times because you had so much fish in abundance, you used to catch fish for that. All right. But when it comes to, you know, the, I think it was in the 80s, 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, 1980s, then the fish, the stable, deplete. So the yeah. thing, the thing he asked the question, what's the difference? And the well, that's what I say because yeah. in any time, plenty of fish was, was yeah, a lot of fish. But it's, I'm, not, I'm not talking well, about the fish. I'm talking about the difference. Yeah. The yeah, difference. Well, one is made out of like a silk twine. The uh-huh. other one is monofilament nylon, Plastic. which is much more deadly and more efficient. Exactly. Well, why is it more deadly? Silk. Because for one, if it's made out of clear nylon, the fish cannot see it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the water. The other one used to make out like a thin string mm-hmm. and it was clearly visible mm-hmm. so the fish could see it. Yeah. And then it, it, it was homemade so it was a lot rougher design kind of thing, right? But the one that's out of the monofilament nylon, it's, it, it, it sinks easier in the water because it doesn't get water soaked. The other one used to get wet and used to carry a lot of weight yeah, yeah. with the current and everything. When this one made out of nylon now, doesn't soak water, soak or anything. So it's much more efficient, more deadly. A lot of fish, when they see it's too late, they're already in the net and get caught. Right, so the the bycatch in this net was a lot more than the older nets. Yeah, that's right. And why not? I could tell because when I was a kid, right, uh, you know, like nowadays kids, you got toys to play with. You know, and you know, our days, no, I was about five, six, and we made a piece of net. We made a, we make a gill net, throw a toy, and we put it, you know, we went to a mango and just tied. Uh, as I say, I'm 63, so that's like 50 something years ago. And we only piece of net like this. So next day morning, they hail us. Say, you guys, you guys, come over. He said, come and look. You guys got a snook. That was the first catch. I mean, that's the first money I ever made. Because you know, we got a snook with only piece on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, further down, then we, when my mom and my dad, we raised our, my brothers and sisters, you know, fishing with gillnets. We had two gillnets then, but that was the same kind of uh, line where we did boat. Further down, when it comes to years and years, then we, we had to drop then kind of nets because they never used to catch as much fish then. So we went to to, 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 to the plastic you know, mm-hmm. yeah. nets. Okay, and what I also want to say is that remember the days when fish, fish used to be like on the beach and almost run shore. Oh. Mm-hmm. Fish used to run shore, man. Yeah, they run shore. Snook jacks. Why? Because they never had the amount of gillnets that gillnets really um, destroy a lot of fish down 
over the years. Matter of fact, I love Gillette's because that's what I make my first Samukta Moniota, right? But we used to, he I come from way down south to PG and I fish in all over this. But no, you don't see that anymore. Moncurva, Placencia, right? All on the beach, we used to see that. And, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't see that I mean, anymore. Why is there the assumption that there's this relationship between gill nets and the decimation of particular fishnet populations? What, what evidence is there that gill nets is what drives this, among other causes such as the sort of development that causes the destruction of mangroves, which are typical in nurseries for fish um, of various species. So how, how do you establish that relationship? What data supports that from your understanding or, or experience, you know, it, it supports that understanding of gillnets being the main driving force? Because there's a lot of things that influence fish, not po fish populations in, in, in the country now and in the world because... Yes, we, we, well, I, I know that there's a lot of things that influence fish population, but the the use of the gill net, why we see the depletion in the, in the fish stock is that it's not every fish stock, it's a certain particular type of fish stock, right? A gill net is used to capture what we call pelagic species, mm -hmm. right? The pieces that travel in big schools. And then when you set a net, a gill net, once that the lead fish in that school hit the net, the whole school will hit the net. Mm -hmm. So you could wipe out a whole school with one set. That they, Those fish are gone, they cannot reproduce again. And that's the, 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 the reason why net has been so destructive when it comes to fish. It's so efficient that it could wipe out an entire school. That's why in Belize, they cut down the, the amount of net that you could mm -hmm. use to tree nets. Yeah. And they didn't want you to join them together because mm -hmm. it was so efficient that if you put, some guys had 10, 15 nets joined together and the amount of fish that I could catch with one, one overnight. Why would, why was the gill net um, limitation restriction to three? Why was that not enough? That's a good question. We, why was that not enough? That is not enough because the depletion has been so drastically exactly. depleted. Exactly. So the three one one hundred meter net now is not is not enough for you to make a living. You don't catch enough fish. Right now you need fifteen to two thousand meters a net for you to get a good catch. When yeah, was I haven't used gillnet for the last thirty years. Thirty years. Okay. And in your case, um, I use it up to twenty eighteen. You use it up to twenty eighteen. Yes, and right. so, what was the date when you last registered your gillnets? 2018. You last registered in 2018. Mm -hmm. Look at this. Look at it. This is 2017. Mm -hmm. So I, and the reason why I did in 28 or stop in 2018, why I didn't, because I um, maybe I should I should identify myself, right? I said I fishing when I was a kid. Oh my God. Also, my first, my first, um, I was appointed to be on the BFCA, on the, no, no, uh, what do you used to call it, uh, BF, what, I mean, the Fisheries Advisory Board. Oh, the Fisheries Advisory Board. Yeah, uh, I served there for 25 years, right? The FAB. FAB, correct, FAB. I was FAB, on the FAB Fisheries for 25 years. Board. I was on Northern Board for 20 years. Northern I used to be the chair. 
cooperative. Yeah. I um, I went aside as being the chairman from Maryland. Also, I serve on BFCA board as my chairman. The Belize so Federation Cooperative Association. What I, I I know that these guys are are saying now that they they have a BFC and that is dormant. I want to go back to the question of the pelagic species, right? You say that the, the gillnet is uh, somewhat essential towards catching these, or, or often used to catch these, as is more accurate yeah. to say. targets the pelagic species. So, since the ban of the gillnets, in, in that time since then, one of the arguments has been that now there is a greater difficulty in in capturing these pelagic species and that this is now trickling down towards affecting the availability of certain fish species in the markets. That's total untrue. Okay, can you R- explain R- more please? This, just a, just a couple of months ago when the mackerel run, I had friends that were gillnet users that were catching up to 300 pounds of mackerel a day mm-hmm. on right. fishing line. So they they see a big improvement since the banner gillnet. Oh, yeah. And it's not only them, a lot of the other fishermen also. They catch mackerel, which is the main species that everybody target with gillnet. You get other catches like jacks and stuff, but mackerel is the main species. Mm-hmm. You catch king mackerel, you catch Spanish mackerel, you catch jacks. And those, those basically are the main species. Okay. Maybe um. Right, depends on where you said it. If you said it more inland, then you will get snook and jacks. Maybe I would like to emphasize on something that. But there's no shortage of fish at the market. No, no, That's no. totally there's untrue. There should be more. Right. What we should emphasize a lot is that gillnets, if you don't, if you love what you do, then it's okay. Love and cares. Two things. Why I say if you love what you do? Because gillnet, you have to really be there. At least if you take care of your gillnet once a night for twice in the morning. Otherwise, we have we have seen a tremendous a tr- like like for example, people just set their gillnet, go home, go sleep. sleep. That's not a good. Fisherman. Uh, I understand. You know why? Because remember, it's a fish. If you set your gillnet, we used to set like six o'clock in the evening, and you go pick up six o'clock in the morning, you get a lot of spiders. Spiders, yeah. A lot of spiders. And one next thing I know, right, for example, then between right down here, so from Shibungo down to Dangriga, you got a lot of snook run certain time of the year. And that place could be rough. I understand that uh, people set their nets and because they can't go haul it, mm-hmm. they have thrown away thousands of, 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 of fish. Yeah. Snow killing the snow. So, yeah. I mean, who loves me gillnet more than me? Well, the, the thing is, right, personally, when I first started with gillnet, I started as a young boy mm-hmm. with older guys. Mm-hmm. When we go out to set our net, we go out and we set our net six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we would sleep on the net. Mm-hmm. Ten o'clock, we would have. Mm-hmm. And then we set back. When you hear one o'clock, you haul again. One, two o'clock, you haul again. 
And then you set back. Then we go ashore and sleep and then come back six o'clock in the morning. We had to check our net three times a night. That's an Because you, you will have huge amount of spoilage. Exactly. Because the fish that get in that net six o'clock, if you go back six in the morning, that's already rotten. Right? And that's what was happening with a lot of the fish. Yeah. Tons and tons of fish were just the guys would just throw away all mm -hmm. the rotten fish mm -hmm. and just bring in the good ones. Because they go back in the morning. And there's the fisheries is not out there in the night to, to regulate this fishery. I mean, Belize is the only country in the world where you can lift your gill net overnight in the water. In America and all these countries, you had to take your net out the water. You cannot go and leave your net in the water. You set your net, catch the fish, and you take it out and go home. They don't leave their net overnight in the water because it's among the spoilage. You know, kill fish and then rotten. Yeah, Yet Belize seems to be one of the only countries to have banned the gillnet. So I'm curious to know, what do you think about the circumstances here? You have country that have thousands of acres of fish, mm -hmm. fishing grounds, more than bigger than the whole country of Belize. They can't mm -hmm. even catch a fish now because mm -hmm. of gillnet, like Canada. Mm -hmm. It's totally banned. Yeah. So Belize is one of the only countries. There are other countries that yeah. we have hundreds of thousands of acres of, of sea that they have wiped out with gillnet. So the same fish that are now no longer being captured in Belize, what about what happens to them when they migrate further beyond Belize's boundaries? Don't say that they're no longer caught in Belize. They're caught by different means. They are caught by different means. But certain fish that are pelagic, they traverse, they go all around and come back wrong. You understand what I'm saying? So when they pass through Belizean waters, Belize, more Belizean fishermen will be able to catch with hook and line, you understand me? And if the stress of not having to be caught by gillnet, the fish would hang around more. They won't continue and just uh, go. I would like to explain something to you. Guatemala, right? Yeah. It was mentioned in, in that by Jose Coleman. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, the Coleman family is the number of the, the people that use the mosque in it. I am not, uh, you know, my, my relatives are Coleman. Yeah. This guy, then guys are the family, you know? But I was the one that stepped forward and said, no more. You know why? Let me explain to you why, the reason why I did it. I um, know that. I, I said, after I left from Nardam from, from my position, that was not too long ago. I resigned from the court. Then I went back to Gillnet. Right? Matter of fact, I went. I they they they, they asked me to be on the um, yeah. task force. Task force, yeah. I was asked to be on it, mm -hmm. and I was defending the units, not to ban, right? Mm -hmm. But when these people come from Guatemala, as I said earlier, my own relatives, these people don't care, you know. You know why? Because then going back. For them, bottom line, no money. You understand me? So, they, they we care. used to get a spot where you set. Some, the last time I sat there, a big permit. Big permit, this size. Oh, but I was right there, like what he said. When I had this big clones, I went and take it out. I take it out and let it go. Yeah. You know what hurt me? When I see that these guys that comes, they don't pay a fishing license, they don't pay anything at all, or they don't live here in Belize. Yes. 
And when I see that we used to, we, when we're fishing, we got tables like, we make we want tables like this, picrino fish. When I see five, six permits dead, I don't go for that. When I see that they go set their gill nets and catch 15 tapons and just throw it away, that hurt me. Yeah. And when you try to tell me anything, you cuss out on top of that. I said, no, why yeah. should I continue? When I want my grandchildren to know about fish, you understand me? Yeah. So I make up my mind and I say, I resigned yeah. from being on the, on the Gillenet Task Force. And I said, no, I have to protect my country. I but, have to protect Belize. Yeah, but what are the next thing that I, what is that, that's very misleading that they say is that the fish leave Belize and goes to Guatemala. Yeah, there is no one way gate between Belize and Guatemala where the fish goes to Guatemala and does not come back to Belize. How, we, how do you know that the fish are not coming from Guatemala into Belize? Yeah. You understand me? So they, 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 they try to put this narrative that the fish is leaving Belize and going to Guatemala <laughs> and get caught. But there's, they don't even know if the fish is coming from south going north. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And, and they, they, they say these narratives, which is, to me, it's unfair to the, to the public out there that does not know better. Yeah, exactly. You understand me? And, and, and that's the kind of thing that makes me upset. Being yeah. truthful. I don't care, but just be truthful so that the, the public can understand and get a good sense of what's going on. Yeah. Because these fish are pelagic. They do not, when they go to Guatemala, they do not stay in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. You understand me? These fish come back into Belize. What was and the what was the occasion that brought an end to when you were using it? Well, when I was using gillnet, we were using what we call a clark gillnet, the old-fashioned gillnet. Mm -hmm. That was a tremendous work compared to the nylon net. Mm -hmm. See, we get in there, it's who problem to clean. In those days, catfish were by millions. When you some people throw away the net mm -hmm. because they can't clean the amount of catfish that gets in it. Throw everything, bury the net with all the thousands and thousands of catfish. You catch skate, mm -hmm. you know, everything. you catch stingrays, you catch all kind of things that you cannot use. You know, you got cones tie up in an inclined net, lobster. you got lobster, you got a um, lot of these raw tea. Mm -hmm. The crab, we call the blue crab. A yeah, lot of that. Hook up in a net. So the bycatch was tremendous. But in those days, the fish were so abundant mm -hmm. that a small village like Placentia, you catch a monk of fish, you only go sell a little bit, then you have to throw up. You can't do nothing, the rest of the cope no want it, nobody want it. And I said, Here what? You know, make no sense. You only could sell a little bit. Cause the cope not they buy jack, the cope not they buy mackerel, the cope, they only want snapper and group of filet and everything. And then they very, very rare catch the in a gill net. You understand me? Then we have to give it away to villagers. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to can it and pile it up. And so I said, Cho. How has fishing changed for you two since the gillnet ban or since you decided to stop using the gillnet, which preceded the ban, yes? Okay, um, two things. I, I don't, I don't, since I grew up the gillnet, well, I get all kind of tricks. So I move away from sea for a while. Okay. But, but, I have one daughter in Mango Creek. Mm -hmm. 
and she have like her son is about and I say I should say over two years and he loves fishing right so in the months when the snooks they plentiful and when when they not come out then you snook them they went out right and trawl do trawling and to their surprise they called me said dad you say you know something say what that he said we catch three snook three snook where they never catch for years and years right and my grandson enjoyed that you understand me so 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 come on i mean, I mean we, we know it's not you could just yeah. put it to but 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 uh, but give me chance but you said you mentioned earlier something earlier and that was mentioned also in that record and i laughed you know why i was explained to you about what am i and i yes yeah okay he know and I know, you know, in Guatemala, they, these people used to use uh, some nets to circle, jacks. Mm -hmm. You know, for the last 10 to 15 years, that is gone completely. Not anymore. They don't see it anymore. But one of the things that happened, and I, we got a lot of people that lives in Guatemala that have beliefs and papers. So then jacks no, do not exist anymore in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. They jack, but they come over like from Sassoon County side, we see big schools of jack. So that means they are, that then jacks know, they are being carved over there so they stay on our side. Exactly, exactly. Why? Because, you know, it, you know why? Because People sometimes people don't care, and that's a, a, a word says don't care. And why I say they don't care because over there they catch funny fries and sell that right there. Yeah. So, so 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 these same people that they come from over there, right? Because they got Belizean papers, I have seen with my own eyes. They get the small permit this size. And you know what they do with it? They set hooks. You know, and they make long lines. And sometimes, I mean, come on, why should you kill a split permit or why you don't let it go? No, what I mean is another thing. People like to assume that because it's a fish mm -hmm. or it's because it's an animal, it does not have any sense. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, 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 and people can, and I can tell you, because I'll, I dive all my life, I fish all my life, I've been doing certain things for years, and I learn, I can see it, I have the experience then, to see that fish learn, because we spare gun, we use spare, spare fishing, one time you could jump over a boat and the fish like it's simple, you just shoot them up, no, they just hear the rubber to stretch, and the fish take off, run, I don't know that spare or catch up, so they learn. And same thing, if the fish learn there's no gillet in this area, they will stay over the side. They're not going outside the pad and kill them all. No, no. If, like that in a gillet. If if we know you know they're after it. Huh? If we know they're after the, the product, if you know they're after the Correct. fish, if they're, then yeah. they will stay right here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any Yeah, questions. I do. I, I wanted to know, so one of the common threads that came through in the interview I did with BFCA members is that 
they stated that those that were supportive of the transition who benefited from the Gilnet ban, mm -hmm. that those people were nominally not active Gilnet users, but just for legal purposes. Why not? Well, they're making a distinction from the fact that there was people who had who had registered registered Gilnets who were not just not using them regularly, and those who had Gilnets and were using them regularly, and that because of that, it affected some more than others. So if I well, use Gilnet well, once a week, it's different than if I would, okay. you know, just an uh, example. Okay, I know almost every one of them that was there. The eighty-five. Or which one? On the no, no, no. I, I that, was an, that, no, that, that was on the interview. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. That, that, I thought about the, about, about the interview. Yes, okay. okay. Go ahead. I know Armando. I I know Armando's parents from before he was born. I I know Armando personally, and I know he's not a fisherman. He, yeah, exactly. He, he's, he's not. And he shouldn't talk about no. BFCA. You know why? Armando is my brother-in-law. He well was my brother-in-law. He married to one of my. I sisters. mean, he does not even represent a cooperative. No. Then he's. That's closed down. He, exactly. he was just put on there to, to just talk and for for the sake of trying to 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 to, to show like I mean that they were being affected. But well, he does he does not represent fishermen. No, exactly. And uh, as uh, Fuller, send the Fuller. He does not You know when you represent somebody, when you represent the crowd, when like when we used to be in BFCA, we had a um, annual uh, report every year. Then you got to ask them when the last BFCA had an annual meeting. No, no, yeah. that. So, so I learned one thing in, in, in school, you know. I mean, but which cooperative they are a member exactly. of? Exactly. No. I am a member of National Fisherman Cooperative. Mm -hmm. He's a member of Northern. Mm -hmm. Which cooperative are any of these guys a member of? If you go to the Coop of huh? PG, that was the, that our restaurant right now. Right? I can show you. My fishing license from 1985 till now, you could go check it at the fishing department. I have licensed every year. Mm -hmm. It's only $25. It's only $25 for a gillnet license. If they are making, they claim what? $90,000. $90, Why is it so hard for you to pay a $25 license fee? Well, again, their argument was that they applied for it and were rejected. Yeah, that's not true. yeah but that is not true because. You could go to fishes right now, up to last year, they had signs up for licensing or gilnet. Mm -hmm. No, they have signs up that they are not licensing gilnet because it's banned. Mm -hmm. Right? But so, no, that is, is, is to me a, a very misleading argument that they put. Well, the, the, the argument they rationally provide for why that was happening is because it was known that they were against the ban and that, the, this, that they were being discriminatory in who was accepted for registration. That's not true. That is not true because this task force that Mr. Fuller was on, mm -hmm. he was a part of the task force. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mr. Martinez was a part of the task force. You I understand was, me? I was on it part. He was on part of it. You understand me? They knew what the task force was about. Mm -hmm. You understand? But, but the task force was there to look on a, on a number of phases. Mm -hmm. One of them was to try and see how they could sustain the gillnet, one of them was to ban. It mm -hmm. was not like, okay, it was only for this one and not for that. Mm -hmm. Like they tried to put that, it was only for, see how they could better it and sustain it. It was for both, for everything across the board. It was not just for one, you understand me? But now that the ban has come into effect, 
and they did not benefit because they were not paying their license, paying their license fee and licensing theirs because it was the fisheries department that put out the list of who had legal license. Exactly. It was not us. You understand me? So, and because they were not on that list. But, but you see, they, they, they never believed that the ban had taken place. All right? You asked me a question earlier, and I could answer it to you because I, I did. Um, you asked me if I knew everybody that was. Yes, I knew everybody. Almost, almost. I say I won't say hundred percent, but I was the one that did a lot of work to, work to that list. Right? Yeah. I did it because I know uh, if if I lived at PG and Sartaneha, you know, so I I know almost every fisherman in this country. You understand me? And if you take a look at that list, right? You know why the people know why. Uh, license in a 2019 and so many so many when they see that this ban take place all right but you know why Sidney Fuller is fighting for this because he wants the people that lives in Guatemala to come back they're the one that sponsoring him they're the one that give him paying for this what's the evidence for that Oh, what do you mean evidence? Evidence that, that he's he's collaborating Be with these because, people. Because, all right, let me explain to you. Get If you get the list, mm -hmm. you will see the Belizeans that got compensated, and you will see where nearly more than half yeah. were Guatemalans that we did not compensate because they lived in Guatemala. Yeah. But the law said you had to live in Belize, you had to catch your product, landed it in Belize. And these guys were using us, taking the product to Guatemala and landed it there. So they did not get compensated. But I think they still answer the question. But then the support. But what's the connection between them and Sidney Fuller? Because that is just right now, we're just talking. Like okay. okay, what's the connection? Okay, let me explain to you. Um, when... Mm, I was on the, I was the vice chairman for the Shark Association, mm -hmm. right? This the only like 2018, yeah, 2018, yeah, because I resigned from everything in 2018. I was, they didn't want me to be chair because they knew that I would have been the only person to fight not to ban it in it. Understand me? So they wanted me, but they said, because this association was made up of majority from Guatemala. Of course, I knew because, the, as I said, I'm a family, we're a family, we're a cousin. But um, after I said I resigned from both places, then they tried to grab at a, a dry limb, or anybody who could have grabbed at. You know, I know I'm drawing the man. When one person is drunk, they grab at anything. So then they think they, they, they were advised because you remember, even in that um, when Jesus was on earth, Judas crucified him, and yeah. we knew <laughs> we knew that fishers never want this to happen. Fishers never want the ban to happen. So there were people amusing. They saw the advice, you know, money, money pay on big role in this country. 
So they were using this guy as he was not uh, he was not in the FCA. Not at all. Not at all, yeah. Who was on the FCA was Mr. Dawson. Dawson. Daniel Dawson. Daniel Dawson, the member, member of the committee of national of yeah. national committee. To you yeah. be at BFCA board, you have to be a committee member. From the time yeah. I know BFCA and BFCA yeah. was founded, I think about forty something years ago. Mm. But I explain where you may ask the question. You know, so how the connection? Mm. I'll okay. explain the connection to you because a lot of people think that mackerel. Is the money fish in Gilnet? No. Mackerel is not the money fish. Shark. You know what the money fish is? Shark. Shark, can shark. Mm -hmm. These guys come from Guatemala mm -hmm. and they can hundreds of thousands of pounds of shark. Yeah. And when they take it to Guatemala, it's like $10 US a pound. And that's where this lobbying for trying to, to get the Gilnet back on comes mm -hmm. from. Yeah. That's where the money is. Mm -hmm. Right? And right now, shark is an endangered species, becoming an endangered species. Because these nets, I have seen shark this big that they catch. I've oh, seen yeah. shark bigger from that wall to that wall that they catch. Yeah, Those nets catch the biggest shark and the smallest ones. Mm -hmm. You understand me? But that's where the money is. It's not the mackerel that they talk about, you could slice in your housewife, you eat so much slice and feed the family. That's all bull crap. It's a shark. Because this guy it's a killing of our sharks. This guy power That's where the money is. The fin goes for like a hundred to seventy-five to a hundred dollars a pound for shark fin. Oh, let me reach as much as right? hundred US. As two hundred US, yes. That's where the money is. So, so all this crap that they talk about net, it's because of the shark fishing, right? But they don't tell you that. I mean, um, this cause of minus right powers, but he almost used to make like about. I should say close to a million dollars every year. Every year from but, our waters. But, but but he only come during from November to to to, to, July, to, to April. To April or whenever Easter. No? Easter, yeah. I mean, the one way. That's why I'm mean, sorry, sorry, dear, but I know that's why I know the connection because my cousin then support. You know, he's okay. Yeah. He's okay. She got both um, league trials that that that, that, that Guatemala, and he then supports the Nepola. Are we yeah. seeing but he, he, has, he has been coming to our country for the last 20 years doing this every year mm -hmm. and, and does not have a, fish, a, a gillnet license until 2019, 2019. he hurry and get his license. Because Same guy. Why? Because the fish, fisheries department. And that's, right? that's another thing that I want to come to. You know why we were so sad again? Because anytime you go to fishers and you tell them, listen man, the people that work without a gillnet license, fishers don't, don't do anything. They don't do nothing. And I have seen them setting nets in our marine parks. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere. They go out there at night. You see them six o'clock in the evening coming. And they go and set, you know, marine parks around Turnif. They set all of the English Key Channel and then place the night. And what? early in the morning, come and go with the net. Uh, and we Belizean, we love our country, we try to abide by the law, exactly. but then it's hard for us to watch a foreigner coming into our country and taking advantage of our system, you understand me, and making a lot of money and going away with it. There's, so, not, there, there's not even records, the fisheries department don't even have records of how many 
fish and shark and whatever these people are taking out of our country. So the, the Belize is well known for having a lot of environmental policy and regulation that really look good on paper. Yeah, um, but, but enforcement but is but an no issue. Enforcement. Exactly. So I'm curious. Issue. No I'm enforcement. Big. Well, so then that gets me to the question of how effective is the gillnet ban at preventing people who had already been practicing it in the ways when it was legal there beyond that beyond that level how well, how have you seen the ban impact right. behavior well i see the ban as a good thing because we have the coast guard because if we didn't have the coast guard this ban would have been a waste of time because it's only the coast guard that's out there right now and with a ban once the Coast Guard meet you with a net, mm -hmm. they know it's illegal, wow. right? But when it left to the fishery department, they don't have any enforcement system out at sea. They mostly depend on the the, 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 the the partnership that they have with these, um, what do you call them, NGOs that take care of different marine reserves. But basically, that's it. There is wow. no other enforcement except for the Coast Guard. So. I'm glad we have the Coast Guard when this ban come about because they are they are going to be the most person that's going to enforce this law. Well, I think um, also I, I remember Paula said that they had a skiff that they catch and they they had fishers on that interview. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know so 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 right now they, 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 they like for example a lot of us move away from it. You know, so so so, and then one next good thing that we see is that, for example, at least at least about twenty fishers that Shirami come from Guatemala to fish in our waters, eh, didn't come this time. They didn't come because of the ban. Because of the ban. Yeah. So which which is good. And then, like what Miss Paula said, they got caught. Mm -hmm. All the people who are but, still using gillnet illegally, one by one, they will get caught. Yeah. And, and I think they will change as time goes by when they realize that this ban is for real. And then we will start to see the better effects. Thanks to the Fisher folks for sharing their story about why they're in support of the Gillnet ban. I feel like we not only learned a lot about the Gillnet ban, but we also learned about how fishing has changed in Belize and how fundamental fishing as an activity is to our culture. And so regardless of the different methods people are using to fish in Belize, it is my hope and my understanding that fishing will remain a part of our heritage um, for the remainder of Belize's existence, however long that may be. So earlier this year, the Belize Fishermen Cooperative Association filed a lawsuit against the Ministry of Blue Economy and Civil Aviation challenging statutory instrument number 158, which is the banning of gillnets in our waters. They claimed that the association and gillnet users were not properly consulted before the regulations were passed. However, on June 11th, Justice of the Supreme Court, Westman R.A. James, refused the claimant's application to apply for judicial review on the grounds that her claims to not being consulted had been inaccurate and that a gillnet ban had been a piece of environmental legislation long in the works. For the moment, then, the gillnet ban is in effect, and it is our hope that the enforcement can result in greater protection of Belize's marine territories. We reached out to the Belize Coast Guard several times to learn about their enforcement of the ban, but have so far not received word about a possible interview. We will update the story in a future episode as it develops, because as always, Belize has a lot of nice laws, 
And that's one thing I do take away from that second BFCA interview. Belize has a lot of nice environmental laws, but a hell of very little enforcement for them. And these laws will only mean something substantive if they're being properly enforced and there is proper accountability for those who infringe on those bans. So we wanted to reiterate that we have created a Patreon account you can find at patreon.com backslash Marafaya. There you can opt to financially support the work we do on the show, helping to subsidize the cost of transcription, fuel expended on traveling to do interviews, and payment for artistic collaborations, including our art design competition we have going right now. It's an easy way for you to materially assist us in being able to sustain the show for years to come, and we'll soon be posting exclusive content there, such as extended interviews and podcasts unrelated to our main feed. Our art design contest, Marafaya wants to make our first merchandise for that. And we are offering a cash prize of 250 Belize dollars for a design that conveys Marafaya's mission of fighting to protect the environment we love. Submissions are due July 31st, 2021. And complete contest details can be found pinned to the top of our Facebook page. If you like the show, please subscribe and consider writing a review for us over on Apple Podcasts as it helps to increase the show's visibility. If you write a five-star review, we will read it on a future episode. If you have a climate crisis or environmental story impacting Belize you'd like to discuss, you can contact us at madafyah at gmail.com or message us on Facebook and Twitter at Marafaya and be sure to hit that follow button. Thanks to Alexander Evans for providing our theme song. You can find him on Instagram at Alexander Evans Music. And thanks to Demi Williams for providing our artwork. And thanks to you for listening to Marafaya. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And remember, climate change is real and collective effort is needed to save our home. Rest when you can and get some shade. Bye.